Who's glad they came in the house of the Lord today? Amen, amen. It's good to see you all. You know, we're in the second week of our series on Peter. And if I was just to review last week, I, in just reviewing the overall book of First Peter, the depth of hope and strength that we can have that Peter tells us about is so powerful. And he's writing to people that are truly, they're suffering for their faith. These people, they're being tortured, they're being martyred, they're being marginalized. And he's writing to these people, and the first two verses are an encouragement about the security they have of being in Christ. Who's thankful that God doesn't take away your salvation? He doesn't take it away from you. Now we can, as we talked about last week, you can walk away, but he won't take it away from you. This week, Peter hones in into an appreciation of what God has done. Now, have any of you ever received anything unexpectedly from someone and it was so generous that it makes you uncomfortable? Anybody? Okay, so, so it's happened to a few. Uh, September 5th was Gabe's birthday, and we went up to a, an arcade in Ankeny, and we're there having a good time, and, and afterwards, uh, Wendy says, hey, they got a Cold Stone Creamery just two stores down. I'm like, well, I'm never one to pass up ice cream, so let's do it. And uh, we, we go in there, and there's not a lot of seating for the size of our family, and so she said, I'll just, I'll just get it to go, and we'll go. And, you know, we, we had all the kids kind of wrangled in there, and those who don't know our, our oldest two being autistic, it, it's always a challenge kind of keeping them in line and making sure that they don't do anything to, to uh, draw too much attention to us. And so we're just working with the kids and getting everything they want, and we walk out. And as I'm walking to my car, this guy runs after me. And he stops me, and he, he says, I, I, I need to talk to you. I said, oh, okay. He says, I want you to have this money. I didn't know this guy from, from Adam. He says, he says, I want you to have this money. He said, you have such a beautiful family, and I want to make sure they get their ice cream. I said, well, they, they already have. I mean, you, you, can, you can keep your money. I, I don't need your money. He, and he kept insisting. He's like, no, 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 I insist you take it. And a complete stranger handed me $60. And I'm, I'm sitting there on, on the way back, I'm just in complete silence. Like, I, I just kept going, really? And just dumbfounded by the generosity of someone I, I didn't know. And in the grand scheme of things, $60 isn't much today. But it's a lot from a stranger. It's a lot from a stranger. And, and I, I knew this. I, I didn't deserve it. And the reality is the kid's ice cream, it was already paid for. So I just sat there and I let the reality of the situation hit me and it, 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 it cascaded into something deeper than that. Look at all God has done for me. Look at everything he has done for me. And so the question I have for you today, has the realization of Jesus' sacrifice hit you to the point that it's made you uncomfortable? Where you're just... You're unsettled about it. Knowing the difference between what he has offered and what, what I deserve. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to read about this, and I encourage you, 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to be reading verses 3 through 9. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. I'm going to be reading out of the uh, New Living Translation this morning. Um, It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Everyone here say great mercy. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. Say great expectation. And you guys could do a little bit better today, but verse 4. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the comfort and strength that it can bring, especially through difficulty. God, be with all these now in Jesus' name. Amen. But before I go on another minute, um, I, I had a thought about something that I, I want to take care of. This week, Edna's having surgery on her heart valve. And what I want a couple people to just gather around her, those that are sitting close. We're going to pray over her, and then we're also going to pray over Robert. Johnny, if you could scoot over and put your hand on Robert, and a couple of you just reach out to my brother here. This guy's going through the thick of it right now. And what we're going to do is we're just going to pray for these two. Is there anyone else that says, man, I need some prayer right now? Okay. Let's go into prayer. Father God, I just thank you. Lord, that even through dark times, even through challenging times, times of health, times of loss, Father, Lord, we can be comforted by you, those who love you, And God, we can continue being pointed to the cross. So Lord, I pray for strength for Edna as she gets ready to go in for her surgery on Thursday. God, that you will prepare the way, that you will will guide the surgeon's hands. Lord, that her recovery will be quick, Father. God, I lift up Robert for you. God, I pray that you will strengthen him. Lord, the girls, this little boy that's in the NICU, Father. God, loss is hard. But Lord, I pray that God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, he will be comforted through each and every moment. I thank you, God. I praise you. Lord, we just entrust these situations into your hands. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for that.
as I review this scripture, I try and understand the mercy of God. And to understand the mercy of God is to understand the penalty for our sin. I just want you to imagine for a moment, you are a murderer and you are on death row. And you do not have long to live. In fact, they have asked you what your final meal is going to be, and you have put in the uh, paperwork. You asked for uh, cheese and pepperoni on your tombstone. And as you are walking down the corridor to the stretcher where they're going to inject you to kill you, you see someone else laying on the stretcher. And then you find out that this person laying on the stretcher, they offered the judge that they wanted to take your place if they would set you free. And then to add to your surprise even more, it's the family of the person you murdered. And as outlandish as this illustration seems, that is exactly what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. In fact, we learn in Romans 6.23, it says, the penalty of sin is death. And so I want us to sit back for a second because if we think about it, Paul also tells us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So in this room, let's take inventory here, who's a sinner? Okay, so if you accept that, so, so we're raising our hands saying, I accept I'm not perfect, I'm, I'm far from perfect. Then the penalty of our sin is death. So that would also imply that we are all deserving of hell. Not a single one of us could get to heaven on our own merit. Are you guys hearing me? And so what we have to do is to understand what God has accomplished is Jesus paid a price so that we would not have to have that punishment. Now, I want to explain something about the life Jesus lived and why he came to this earth and lived it. He lived a sinless life. No one else has been able to do that. No one else could achieve it. And in Jesus' sinless life, he, he, he preached exactly who he was. He didn't hide it. And eventually, after three years of ministry, he was led away by Roman soldiers from the Garden of Gethsemane. And there he was put to trial, and, and what, what the, the public was given, the public was given an opportunity to select who they wanted to crucify. And the public decided it was Jesus a man who was innocent. And so he's placed back into the hands of Roman soldiers. And what they did was they, they took him then to this, this court area, this outer court, and they stripped him naked. Could you imagine the humiliation behind that? I can't think of anything more humiliating for a man than to be stripped naked in front of a bunch of public, a bunch of strangers. Then the soldiers, what they took was they took this 
flagellum. And a, a flagellum, it was a stick and it had leather straps hanging from it. And at the end of each strap, they had broken pottery, they had glass, they had bone, and they even put bone in it and, and nails, anything you could think of along the strands of that strap. And they believe the flagellum that was used to beat Jesus, it had nine strands, but the, the shards at the end were designed to stick in the flesh, and then when it would be pulled away, it would completely rip off. In fact, they struck Jesus 39 times, and the reason they chose the number 39 is because they believed 40 lashings would kill a man. And so what would happen is it would remove the flesh on his back and there you could see bone, you could see muscle tissue, you could see organs. And scripture goes as far to say he was barely recognizable as a man. And the pain that he was inflicted was so great that he didn't even have strength to carry his own cross. So what they did was they had to pull someone out of the crowd to carry that cross for him. And can you imagine the image of Christ? It was pretty hard to look at. And it was so hard to look at that God the Father had to turn away. He couldn't stand to see the torment Jesus was taking on the cross. And Jesus in that moment when God turned his back, he felt that because he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus, in as much pain as he was in, he was taking our place on the cross. And here's the thing, because I, I, I know what I'm talking about. It's, it's graphic, and in 2023, they don't want you to get too graphic, but I'm going to tell you I don't apologize for gruesome detail. In fact, the, the truth should make us uncomfortable. It should. Because Jesus took that punishment for us. He took that punishment for you and I. And I think you and I, we don't have the capacity to compartmentalize who deserves that kind of punishment and who doesn't. Because I guarantee that if you ran through your Rolodex of everyone you have ever known, you're going to find people that you think, they don't deserve that. And then you're going to find people like, eh, Maybe they do. We do not have the ability to make those kind of decisions. The only one who has right to make that judgment call would be a perfect being. And so what God chose to do was he chose to give mankind salvation. And, you know, I'm going to provide for you a moment to just enhance a little bit of your theological thinking because I understand salvation is two parts. You could say two separate salvations, but really it's, it's, it's two parts, two separate moments. The first is when we come to revelation and acceptance of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. The second is mentioned in verse 9 of our main text today. It says the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. And so eventually that when, when the Lord calls us home, 
That is when we receive the full salvation. And here's the thing that you need to grab a hold of today. God is the one who chooses to offer that salvation. I don't know about you, but um, without Jesus, I'm just seen as guilty. Who hears me? Without Jesus Christ, I'm just seen as guilty. But with his payment for my sin, God sees me as forgiven. In fact, he doesn't see me. He sees the blood of his son. And the blood of his son covering my life. And what I want us to embrace is that is mercy that I don't deserve. As much as I, I mentioned earlier the $60 that I got at the ice cream store, the value of what Jesus has done is immeasurable. To fathom, to put a value on it, you, you could never do it because honestly, if you find Jesus Christ and if you accept what he has done for you, I believe you've hit the lottery. So if you played today, what are your chances of winning? Really? And I know many of you have probably envisioned what your life would be like if you were to win the lottery. So I want you to think for just a moment, put a number in your mind, what would be a safe and secure number that you're like, if I received this much money in a lottery, what I could comfortably live off of for the rest of my life? Would it be 50 million, 100 million, greater? In this economy, who knows? Yet we know that our government, as, as we, we have continued over the last several years to print more money, the value of our dollar weakens, and we know that if you were to buy a car, that it's going to eventually need to be replaced, right? If you purchase a home, it will eventually need to have work done. Everything that we have, everything that we can get our hands on on this earth is sentenced to eventual decay. It's going to fade away. So in light of our hope in heaven, what Peter is doing is he is referring to what we have received in salvation as a priceless inheritance. Think for just a moment the effort and cost that humanity has placed on to never die or to just extend life, right? There's healthcare products, exercise, food, surgery. We can go on and on and on. And just, there's going to be a doctor that, that, I guarantee there's doctors out there that they're working on a pill to just get us to live longer. Because the idea is it's more money. But we know the reality is that all of us have this finite time on the earth. We are all going to die. Yet what we're learning is faith in Jesus Christ, this inheritance that God is referring to through Peter, is eternal. It doesn't perish. It remains. It lasts for your soul. And all the money in the world cannot buy what you can find in Jesus Christ. 
And because of Jesus Christ, we share in that inheritance. Listen to Romans 8, 16 through 17. I, 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 think, I think the entire chapter of Romans 8 is just a good chapter in the Bible to stand on if, if you're struggling with who you are in Christ. But listen to what Paul says in Romans 8, 16 through 17. It says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Well, hold on, that took a turn. And we touched on this last week that the goal is not that we live in complete peace and bliss on this earth, which, don't get me wrong, is nice. I like to be comfortable. But if you lived in complete bliss and peace on this earth, then you'd never want to leave. I got to tell you, life has beaten me up enough that I know that I'm excited about the day God calls me home. And so... The goal of of the salvation that God offers is he knows that we are longing for a hope that is greater than what we see on this earth. And Jesus in heaven, what they do is they create a longing in our hearts for something greater. And this life continues to present suffering and hardship. I want to tell you in our relationship with the Lord, if you say I want to follow Jesus Christ... It's not about what God can do for you. So many of us have embraced a false doctrine of thinking that if I serve him, if I'm obedient to him, it's reward-based for what happens to me on this earth. It's not reality. It's not real. In fact, if you were to look over Scripture, what you're going to find is, especially in the New Testament, it speaks to hardship, it speaks to suffering, and it speaks to difficulty. If you were to look just in the Gospel of Matthew and what Jesus teaches, Matthew's chapter 8, chapter 10, chapter 16, chapter 28, Jesus touches on everything that you could sum up as the cost of discipleship. He says, even the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Saying, I have nowhere to sleep. And he says, if you want to follow me, you must pick up your cross and follow me daily. And the cross was the ultimate sign of suffering. So Jesus is not speaking about an easy life if you're going to choose to follow him. And I think the reality is we have believed the lie that there is that earthly-based reward system for following God and being obedient to him. Listen to what the reward is. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, it says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. See, we don't respond to God based on what we're going to get out of the relationship. 
He's already given us all these promises because of Christ. So we should seek to respond out of obedience. You know, church, obedience should be a natural response when we have an awareness of what God has done for us. That's where obedience comes in. And it is that awakening to what God has done that will help us through trials. Listen to Peter's promise in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. He says, so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. Check that out. See, see, how, see how trials can be used for reproofing of your faith? These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Church, you and I need to just embrace not only what he has done for us and that it calls us to obedience because of what he's done, but that life's not always going to be easy. In fact, it can be pretty difficult. And so Peter, what he is imploring us to do, and we cannot measure what we have gone through in this life versus the people that Peter is writing to in, in Asia Minor. We can't compare. But he implores us to focus on the joy ahead. There's a saying, and perhaps you've heard it, you can't see the forest from the trees. You guys know that saying? And when you are in the thick of everything, it is hard to see the point at which the difficulties might end. And when you can't see beyond your present circumstances, we tend to believe certain lies. For instance, who's ever said, this is never going to get better? This is more than I can handle. And if you could understand for just a moment the true joy and peace that awaits in eternity, I believe that we could endure through everything. But we have to be able to understand the joy that awaits and try and grab a hold of it. Those who do understand it, they've died for their faith. And so I got a question for you today. Could you endure for the joy that awaits you. In Acts chapter 7, there's a man named Stephen. And Stephen, he is dragged before the Jewish council because he was preaching that they're the ones that murdered Christ. And he says, you put him on the cross, which they did, so Stephen, he gets up, and now he's before the Jewish council, and he preaches the same exact message, and he is, just, he is reinforcing Old Testament scripture also as he talks to them, and as he is doing that, they are just getting incensed. And what they do is they drag him out to the outside of the city, and, and we, we pick up in the story in Acts chapter 7, verses 54 through 60. It says, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. And they shook their fist at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. 
And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand, and he told them, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. I want you to think about this horrible mess Stephen found himself in where he was just speaking truth. And we know that Stephen was a man of obedience and that obedience took him to his death. But I want you to look at the great gift God gave Stephen before he was stoned to death. It says in verse 56, and he told them, that's all the counsel that's sitting in front of him, that's incensed with him. Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. In the most fiery trial Stephen could face, God gave him a glimpse of his glory. And Stephen could withstand the trial. Church, I'm telling you, you need to let God give you the vision and the joy to endure this life. You need to seek him. And while we might not be facing this kind of persecution, we do need understanding of our present sufferings versus what Christ went through. That it can't compare. And we need to look to the grace given to us as the greatest gift you and I could possibly ever receive. And I am telling you, the closer that you get to God, it doesn't mean fewer trials. In fact, it probably means the opposite. But it eases what we go through. Because we can begin to understand what God has done and what he has prepared us for. And so sitting here right now and thinking about what I'm saying, and maybe you're young in the faith, maybe you've never accepted Christ before, you could be disappointed by me saying, well, you can expect to go through this. But if you embrace that God can empower you to go through it, that you're not going to be alone, except that he doesn't abandon you, he doesn't forsake you, he continues to pour out his unmerited grace upon you. Then you can understand why you need him. What Jesus went through, as I spoke to earlier, it was gruesome. We don't deserve it. Shame on me if I ever get to the place where I think I deserved it. There's so many times I have sinned against the Lord. Church, there's so many times we have sinned against the Lord. We don't deserve it. But our response to what Peter is saying here is that I need to desire Desire that joy. Desire that understanding. 
know that his will for me is that I endure with him to the end. That I don't reject what he's done for me. That I embrace it with everything I have. And the more I understand it, the more I'll be obedient through it. Do you hear that, church? It's not easy. This world, it throws some awful things at you. I think about just trials within this room. And yet they don't compare to the persecution for the faith that we're reading about in Scripture. But it's difficult to pull us away from the faith. And I think what we need to embrace is that life is tough. And it can be a test, one that we need to endure till the end. And the only way, the only way we can get through is hope in Jesus Christ. I'd like you to take a moment just to yourself, if I could have everyone bow your heads. Something that you need to accept where you're at. Despite everything you have ever done, God still sent his son for you. There is nothing you have done where God says, nope, not them. God wants to embrace you because you are his creation. But maybe you, much like me, you have watered down grace. I'm going to tell you I've been guilty of it in my life where I can excuse sin because I've got a loving Savior that will forgive me. But here's the reality. The cost for my sin was greater. And if I just go on to keep on sinning, Scripture teaches there no longer remains a sacrifice for my sin. I need to embrace what Jesus has done and go to him with a repentant heart. That means a desire to say, Lord, I don't want to do any of that anymore. I want to follow out after you. I want to walk in your ways. I want to be obedient. I want to be like your son. And so it takes a firm commitment, but I think it's good for us to be uncomfortable. And some of you might be sitting here and you're like, man, I feel so undeserving. I'm going to tell you, but God still sent his son for you. So if you just freely accept this gift that God has offered, he's going to make you into a new creation. Embrace the work that God has done. So if you today were to say, Pastor, that's, that's me. 
That's me. I need to just embrace it. I need to accept it. I want to embrace what God has done in His Son, Jesus Christ. If that's you, could you raise your hand? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Those who have your hands raised, I just want you to look at me. Man, I'm telling you, the Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. You know what? Humans, they don't always love you. But God does. God does. And if you reach out to God, He's right there. He wants to walk beside you. You just got to embrace Him. So what I want you to do is as we pray, I want you to just put your hands out open for God's loving embrace. Let's stretch our arms out to him. Father God, you see these here, Lord, that say, I just want to embrace you and what you've done. God, we can look at our lives and the pattern of our lives and say, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve anything that you have done for me. But here I am and I freely accept it, God, and I embrace being a new creation in you through that sacrifice that you provided in your son. And so God, I ask that right now, Lord, we will have hearts that are completely mended to you and your ways and we will desire obedience and to know and understand more of what you have done that God we can't allow ourselves to be a little uncomfortable in knowing that although we don't deserve it God your love sent your son there and so God we accept what comes after that we accept that Lord we're, we're going to have a time of enduring in order to reach that awaited joy. But God, I pray that as we press into you, Lord, we will sense and know that your Holy Spirit is walking with us, that God, through each and every hardship, suffering, trial that we go through, Lord, you are there lifting us up, carrying us through. Let us not neglect so great a salvation that you have given us. Lord, I praise you for who you are. There's no one like you. No one can do what you did. God, if we were to look to all the other religions in the world, nothing offers what you offer. Complete forgiveness. God, we thank you for your provision in your son. We thank you for the inheritance, that reward that awaits us, Lord. Now, God, just ask that you walk with us daily so that we might endure till the end. In Jesus' name. And everyone said,